the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. Back again for a little Tuesday action. Just finished watching Monday Night Football. Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals 30-23. to uh, We'll dive into a couple thoughts on that game right off the bat. Uh, talking a lot of stuff today. The Cowboys, the Chiefs, do the Raiders need a rebrand? Uh, dive a bunch around the NFL, a bunch of other topics. Uh, Dan Lanning introduced as the Oregon football coach. Have a couple thoughts there. Of course, the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Slide up into those DMs. Get your question answered here on the Middlecoff mailbag. I'm running low on questions. A lot of repeat users. I like getting some new action. So uh, fire me a question if you got it this week, and we'll definitely answer yours uh, on this upcoming Friday show. And... Uh, you know, share the podcast, leave a review if you could. Greatly appreciate it. Love, love would be strong. I mean, I, I don't know any of you guys. I actually have got to meet some of you guys, uh, some different coaches and executives that have reached out, and obviously everyone I DM with. But uh, I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you for keeping this thing going and allowing me to be a full time podcaster. But let's dive into what we just witnessed. And I, I think sometimes, and listen, I mean, <laughs> I talk about football for a living. You can overanalyze this stuff till the cows come home. Ultimately, in pro football, I guess it's probably like a lot like this in Power 5 football, you need the guys you're paying a lot of money to play well. You're paying Matt Safford $35 million a year. You're paying Aaron Donald $20 million a year. 
You actually got Cooper Cup on a relatively cheap deal, but he's, uh, you know, an all-pro, pro-bowl level player. You sign Odell Beckham, which, listen, I, yeah, I didn't think he had that much left, but, you know, you would like to get something out of him, especially with Robert Woods disappearing. And here's what happened tonight for the Rams, who, let's face it, were pretty desperate. Like, I, I don't want to say their season was, you know, headed the wrong direction, but they hadn't been playing good football for a while. They had just been off. And to me, really, it starts with Matt Stafford, who had just had a poor stretch of football. When's the last time he had this much pressure on him in games in November and early December? It's been a while. And really, even when he, some of the playoff teams that he had in Detroit, no one ever thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. This is a team that's, you know, at least considers themselves Super Bowl or bust. I don't necessarily consider them that, but they have made moves from a front office, Vaughn Miller, uh, the obviously the Stafford trade, thinking like that. Matt Stafford was awesome tonight. Uh, I think that's the best game I've seen him play as a Ram. He was brilliant. Hit several big passes down the field. You can tell he's hurting a little bit. He's a tough SOB. He dominated that game. Thoroughly dominated that game. Basically 80%, couple three touchdowns. Uh, you know, was arguably the best player on the field. And if he wasn't the best player on the field, his teammate was. And I, listen, I, I don't want to say Aaron Donald's overrated, but I think there have been moments this year where he's kind of, you know, hanging on his name. And he's proven his name and number 99, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's one of the greatest defensive linemen we've ever seen. I don't think he'd been as dominant this year. Well, they needed him. And they needed him to kick ass and take names. And that's what he did tonight. The guard couldn't touch him. He was flying by him constantly whether he was getting pressure on the quarterback or causing holding penalties. And when you cause holding penalties as a defensive lineman, you could argue that's, you know, as effective or definitely a huge impact for a defense. And that's what he was doing. He was brilliant. Cooper Cup was awesome. The Rams' best players dominated tonight. In a big game with the lights, you know, bright in Glendale against, you know, one of the best teams in the league. And they shoved him around a little bit. Shoved him around would be strong because the Rams don't really run the ball. They threw the ball around a little bit and they got after him on defense. You know, Floyd made a great play. They had a couple interceptions. I think the rookie linebacker had one earlier in the game. And, uh, you know, Kyler was a little off. But kudos to the Rams in desperate need of this. Now they're still alive for the division. And crazy, the, the Arizona Cardinals, who have had the number one seed, just checking the playoff seeding right now, they're third. I think they mentioned it right on the broadcast, but I just brought it up on the iPad here. Packers are the one seed, Tampa's the two seed, and the Cardinals are the three seed. And I know this, in my backyard, the Niners want no part of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying the Cardinals have beat them twice this year, but that I, sign me up for that first round game. Niners-Cardinals. That's, you know, it, it shows you things cha- change fast. And obviously the one seed in the AFC and the NFC is such a big deal now because there's only one of them. I mean, you don't... That second seed by, which I, I, I kind of go back and forth on that one. Like there has to be, like to me, t- watching Tampa, Green Bay, and then in the AFC, New England and Tennessee, or if it turns out to be New England, Kansas City, like I, I, I always like the two-by system. Like you work all season long, a couple teams should get a bye. But, you know, we get more football games now that week one, uh, or, you know, the playoff week one, I guess the wild card round. I'm not going to complain, but it, it's it's a really big deal, and you know, the Packers back-to-back years, the NFC potentially could go through could go through Lambeau. The Packers get the Ravens this week. Lamar's injured, but he still might play. Then they get the Browns, who, let's face it, the Browns aren't that good. Then they get the Vikings at home and the Lions. I think the Packers could win out. 
Tampa gets the Saints, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Panthers. Okay, that's 4-0. The Cardinals get the Lions. That's a win. The Colts, it's a tough game. The Cowboys in Dallas, and then Seattle. I, You know, right now my money would probably be, I'm pretty confident Tampa's going to go 14-3. and Green Bay, Arizona's not going 14-3. and so the Arizona's probably going to end up the three seed. It's just kind of the battle for the one seed. Feels right. I mean, the two best teams in the NFC the last two years, Tampa and Green Bay. Like it's the NFC is playing out the way it should. I think we should get a rematch potentially at Lambeau. Talking about a big game. You know, I talked about Aaron Rodgers yesterday on the uh, on Monday's pod. You know, it's it, it might just come down to his decision whether he's going to stay or go is going to come down to that final game. And on the flip side, I've talked about it before on the show, but I know we've got a lot of new listeners uh, just being at the volume, numbers are booming, is that Kyler Murray is, I think, the most heralded Texas high school football player in the history of uh, the great state of Texas, who has produced a ton of NFL players. He was 43-0 as a, as a high school quarterback. I looked up his stats tonight. I actually watched the YouTube. I mean, his high school YouTube is just, it's, it's not even fair. He accounted for, I think, 189 touchdowns, like 117 throwing, another 69 running. He uh, only threw 21 picks. He's one of the greatest, greatest high school football players we've ever seen, any state. Then his his route in college was a little weird, right? Goes to Texas A&M, then transfers. Then he wins the Heisman at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a top five college program in the history of college football. Then he goes, he's the number one overall pick, meaning he's going to a terrible team, Three years later, they're competing for the number one seat. I don't think we do a good enough job, and I know I'm guilty of this. Like, we all watch Kyler and go, yeah, I've never seen this before. I've never seen what I'm watching. This tiny little dude who's faster than everyone on the field, yet he has like a Matt Stafford-level arm, and he's accurate. It's just, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. He is truly, like, we do it a lot with basketball players. Even Bryce Harper, remember, he was on the front page of Sports Illustrated. He was a great baseball player, like 16 years old. We all knew he was going to be one day win an MVP. It turns out he's won several. Kyler Murray is one truly one of the great football prodigies in the history of the game. Like, just thinking off the top of my head in recent memory, Julio would be one, right? Number one high school recruit, goes to Alabama, wins a natty, gets drafted really high, Hall of Fame career. Clowney, I wouldn't even put on that level. Number one high school recruit, Pretty, you know, really good South Carolina career. Quit his junior year, basically. And then has had a good NFL career. Probably made a couple Pro Bowls. If I haven't, I'd have to go to his wiki. It feels like he's made a couple Pro Bowls. But, you know, he's he's underwhelmed. Not even the best player in his own draft class. That'd be Khalil Mack. But this guy, and I know he has a long way to go. Also, when you factor in, he was drafted in baseball. Truly one of the great sports prodigies we've just ever encountered. And the thing is, like, Dion, Dion was bigger than this guy. I mean, Dion's like six feet tall. Bo Jackson was built like a tank, right? Like, I just think LeBron James is six foot nine, 260 pounds. This guy is five, nine and a half, five, ten. That to me, what makes him so special is how tiny he is relative to the other guys he plays against. And when you watch him on the field against every single week, Aaron Donald Hall of Famer. Some of the just all-time great players. You're like, yeah, Kyler's one of the best players in the league. <laughs> like, it's just how quickly he immediately became, yeah, just one of the best players in the league. At quarterback, uh, it's way more seamless than I thought. 
And like with Lamar, it was like Lamar's really has to work on his passing, right? He has to become a more accurate passer, and he did over time. I know he struggled a little bit this year, but the Ravens are off. Kyler immediately was a brilliant thrower of the football, and he still is. His accuracy, his throwing on the move, when it leaves his hands, I always think he's going to hit a guy in stride. He made a play tonight on the roll. Uh, He hit A.J. Green, who's actually having a pretty good season for the Cardinals. Just a miraculous play. I've been watching football for money now for over a decade. That is as good of a play you'll see on both sides. Great catch by A.J. Green. But that play by the quarterback, holy moly. So I'll give Kingsbury credit. And listen, I'm not, no issue with the Cardinals losing tonight. They are, they played 13 games. They've won 10 of them. They would sign up for that in a heartbeat at the beginning of the season. In a heartbeat. So they've obviously lost a couple heartbreakers. Heartbreakers would be strong. I guess the Green Bay game was a heartbreaker. Tonight, I wouldn't call a heartbreaker. But, you know, divisional game is pretty big. Uh, what's their, I guess they're 7-0 at home. Oh, they got killed by the Panthers. That's kind of a weird game. But, you know, the, the Cardinals are having a fantastic season. Now, to truly validate it, you know, I, I think they're going to have to win a playoff game. You know, you got to win a playoff game. You have this little, you know, time when your rookie quarterback, when I say rookie quarterback, your quarterback's on a rookie contract. Uh, I think to feel really good about it, you win that wild card division and then you take your chance against, you know, whoever the falling round, the Bucks or whatever. Even if you lose to Tom Brady, you had a, Fucking hell of a season. But, you know, you go... This is part of the problem about starting fast and then maybe kind of slowing down at the end and then all of a sudden you lose your first-round playoff game it won't feel as good. And let's face it, I've had to apologize because I never thought they were going to be this good. But it will not... Like, you lose a first-round playoff game at home. That's tough. That happened to Sean McVay his first year. They won the division, he hosted the Falcons, and he lost. But he came back the next year and he went to the Super Bowl. So he, he, he pivoted fast and it was his first year as a head coach. You know, this is year three in. Obviously, Kingsbury is already telling Schefter, trying to get that contract negotiation. Don't blame him. You know, the, the owner can be notoriously cheap with coaches. Um, but you, you really want to get that eight, nine, ten million million, $10 million a year, win that playoff game. And then he'll have no choice but to extend you. Can I tell you about my friends at FanDuel? Thursday night football. Chiefs. And the Chargers. FanDuel Sportsbook is about to make it even bigger because FanDuel is giving new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. That means you can win $150 on a $5 bet. The Chiefs are my team. They're my squad. Andy's my guy. Mahomes, huge fan. Who isn't? I kind of like the Chargers plus four. I don't necessarily like them to win the game. I think it's a huge game for the Chiefs. They already got beat at home this year by the Chargers. But I think the Chargers kind of rolling. Herbert's playing well. I think this game is close. Might be low scoring. Chiefs defense is playing well. You know, like a Chiefs 24 to 21 win. Chargers cover. Right there. Boom. You're in like Flynn. Already FanDuel Sportsbook user. FanDuel is hooking up all customers with $50 when you refer a friend. Plus, your friend will get $50 too. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just sign up with the promo code Colin. Before this Thursday night's matchup, you could win $150 on a $5 bet. Remember to use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee, Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Watched a lot of that game on Sunday. Actually watched a little bit, watched it back this morning on the old iPad. Gotta love technology. And, uh, you know, it reminded me of something. I, I think I mentioned this on the, on this podcast within the last couple weeks. Tiger Woods hosted, like, his, his tournament. I mean, he's got several. And he was asked by a reporter if he was lucky, right, that his, his leg survived the crash. And he stopped the reporter and he said, I, I'm not just lucky that I, the crash I'm alive. My entire life has been lucky. And I would say in my lifetime and, and anyone, you know, who's my age, Definitely the last 20 years, the two hardest workers in sports are Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. I mean, absolutely nobody outworks them. And a lot of times, you know, you hear, you know, the the sayings about how preparation, luck is when preparation meets hard work, all that stuff. You know, most people, especially in sports, but I would say in basically any industry, you know, earn their luck. But Tiger Woods is like, no, I am a very, very lucky individual. And we talk a lot of draft on this podcast and we will you know once the season ends and and once free agency leading up to the draft and we talk about it being a marketplace right I I often use the real estate market as a comparison if you can get a player in the third round there's no point in using a second round pick like it's the draft is twofold you want to get good players but you also want to pay the proper prices to acquire said players you don't. You can love a guy, but if you know you can get him in the fourth round, you'd be moronic to take him in the second round. That's why a lot of coaches, when they run drafts, they don't view that stuff. They don't quite understand the value aspect of it. But despite that, there is a huge element of luck in the draft. Really, unless you're drafting the first couple picks, you have absolutely no clue who's going to go ahead of you. right? I mean, you have some educated guesses, But every single year, even in the top 10, we see, whoa, didn't see that one coming. Oh my God, I can't believe they just picked that player. So when you pick, I would say anywhere after 10, there is an element of luck of the guy coming to you, especially when you hit on guys in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. You deserve credit for drafting the right player, i.e. the Cowboys drafting Dak Prescott. But if they knew Dak Prescott was going to be Dak Prescott, they would have used a first round pick on him. Like, let's face it, I, I see it with the 49ers and George Kittle. I've been watching the 49ers for 30 years. George Kittle's one of the best players the 49ers have ever had. They got him in the fifth round. You know, they can tell you all they want. They loved him. But just it's like Brady with the Patriots, right? They, they didn't know Brady was going to be Brady or they wouldn't use a sixth round pick on him. But here's where I will give the Cowboys credit. And, and listen, they, they have lucked into players and there's nothing wrong with that. Every single franchise, Patriots lucked into getting Gronk. He had a bad back, got him in the second round. Look at some of the best players on, on the Cowboys, right? One, they traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. I give them credit for being bold on that, but it had to be John Gruden being weird and trading all the sweet players. Like, that that opportunity wouldn't have presented itself if John Gruden didn't live. CeeDee Lamb, the big reason they got him is because Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs went above him. Like, that that was kind of crazy. Most people expected CeeDee Lamb to be the first wide receiver off the board. Obviously, like we mentioned, Dak, hell, Lyle Collins, remember that, that situation that he had out of LSU, his girlfriend... Or his ex-girlfriend, something there was a murderer. No one knew if and it turns out he's like a super high character guy, but they got him in the seventh round. But when you look at Micah Parsons, who is a remarkable player, 
I mean, is jaw-droppingly sweet. Like, you don't have to be a former NFL scout. You don't have to be Bill Belichick. My, my mother can sit there and watch a Cowboy game and go, holy moly, who's 11? That guy is an unblockable force. But they got a little lucky getting him. And listen, some of it was out of their control. He didn't play last season. And granted, there were several opt-outs, and there were several opt-outs who were drafted high. Jamar Chase didn't play. He was drafted fifth. Panay Sewell didn't play. He was drafted seventh. But let's face it. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell, who are really good players. I mean, Jamar Chase is a stud. Watched him closely yesterday, multiple touchdowns. Even though he's got to figure out some drop issues. Once upon a time, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens never had great hands. Like, you know, Vernon Davis never had great hands. You, If you are a physical specimen, and I'm not putting Jamar Chase in their category, but like, I, I actually think he's going to be fine. And he is fine. I mean, he's scoring touchdowns every week. But the the way drafts go are quarterbacks, obviously, if they are ever valued high enough, they go really high, right? One, two, three, four, five. Same with offensive tackles and pass rushers. But Micah Parsons, who was, and I, I, I read a quote that he gave to Albert Breer that I was viewed as a top five pick after my season, you know, coming into 2021 before Corona hit or before 2020. People thought I was a, you know, a top five pick, but then I didn't play. A little out of sight, out of mind. And then I was viewed more as a linebacker than a pass rusher. Just watch the guy. And he compared himself to Albert Breer to Lawrence Taylor, which, let's face it, unless he's like YouTubing him, which he probably is. It'd be, yeah, it's like he watched Lawrence Taylor live. Neither did I, right? But I've seen enough of him and watched enough documentaries, enough YouTube. He was kind of this hybrid player. What position did Lawrence Taylor play? I don't really know how you quantify it. Sam linebacker, you know, outside linebacker, ass kicker unstoppable. No offensive lineman, a tackle, a guard, a tight end chipping. It does not matter. That guy's getting to the quarterback. And if you watch Micah Parsons, like, what is his position? Is he a stand-up linebacker? His hand in the ground? They put him over guards. He can rush off the tackles. He's an unstoppable force. And because of his greatness these last couple weeks, one, they got lucky that he fell there because if anyone knew that this pass rush skills, and people had an idea, but he didn't play. So it just kind of drove him like he ended up going 12th. Obviously, if you could redraft, uh, he, he ain't lasting to 12. And I give the Cowboys credit, but they passed on him because they traded with the Eagles, right? The Eagles traded up to get pick 10 to get Devontae Smith to jump the Giants. And then the Giants moved back for Justin Fields went to 11. Well, there's no chance the Cowboys, if they knew Micah Parsons, and I'm not even trying to crush him, but it just shows you like they should thank their lucky stars that this guy ended up on their team. Because his dominance right now is bailing their offense out. Their offense looks weird. Like Dak Prescott is just off. He threw one of the worst picks I've ever seen him throw. Late in that game, they're up 27-14. He throws it right in the linebacker's hands. Dude walked into the end zone. Like that game was close because their offense just sputters. And whether he's banged up, whatever. It's just, if you watch him, he does not like look like the Dak Prescott who was the guy playing all those games before his calf injury. Right? He, he looks like a different guy. But because Micah Parsons is in the offensive backfield every other snap, it hasn't really mattered. And now Zeke's a little banged up. Pollard's banged up. Like, they, they just had some injuries. But they got Eleven, who is just... I mean, he's the defensive player of the year. Like, I, I haven't watched every play of every defensive player, but I've watched enough to know that's the best defensive player in 2021. He's the most dominant physical force. I mean, he's just... He's an unstoppable player. Hell, he almost had an interception, not around the line of scrimmage, way, you know, back where the safeties are yesterday. It was an incredible play. The guy is everywhere. He is 
as a fan of football, he's very, very fun to watch. And because, you know, I lived in PA, I follow Penn State really closely, worked with people with the Eagles that went to Penn State. They follow it closely. Uh, they didn't think like he was going to be, no one thought these guys were going to be this good. Because again, if they did, where's he going in the draft? Fourth? Like, let's say, let's face it. If you could do this over, the Falcons would have to take him number four. Obviously, quarterbacks go before any other position, but you're not taking Kyle Pitts a tight end over this pass rusher. No chance. Not happening. So I, I think the Cowboys are benefiting. Like, you know, we talk a lot about socks on this show. They kind of have a balanced portfolio, right? They, they, it felt very offensive dependent, and now it's like their defense is making plays. It's, and it looks, they, they look defensively, man. They got, they got some playmakers. Another team that has some playmakers on defense, nine turnovers the last three games is Kansas City. Now, they played a Raider team who's quit, uh, and it, understandably so. Coach got fired after five games. Star receiver is going to go to jail for decades. Uh, they, they had to cut another first-round pick for flashing, like, uh, you know, machine guns, threatening to kill a guy, c- complete clown. They're, they're in shambles. But in the NFL, I, I don't care if you're playing the Houston Texans or you're playing the 07 Patriots. It is borderline impossible to score 35 points in the first half of a game. That, that's, that does not happen. The blowouts like that only happen in college, right? When, as we talked about Urban Meyer, when you have four and five stars and you're playing a team with no talent. In the NFL, like the Raiders are paying several people a lot of money. In Dockway's, you know, a ten-plus million-dollar pass rusher. Derek Carr makes twenty-five million. Josh Jacobs. They have real players, and the Chiefs were up thirty-five to three at halftime, and it's leading into an enormous Thursday night game. I mean, this is the AFC and NFC West are are my favorite divisions, and Chargers Chiefs Thursday night at SoFi. We'll get into Justin Herbert in a little bit, but it's the Chiefs defense that's carrying them. And what did I say several weeks ago? It's like it's not going to sustain the amount of turnovers that Patrick is having. And a lot of them, some of them are dumb. Some of them are the hero syndrome. But some of them are going off guys' hands. And I never thought their defense would get it turned around. But their defense has been fantastic. They cause countless turnovers. Again, nine in the last three games. Uh, They had a fumble six the first play of the game. The game was over yesterday against the Raiders on the first play of the game. Really, the game was over when the Raiders did their pregame break it down on the Chiefs at midfield on the on the arrow. Like, are you guys that moronic and dumb? Remember last year, they upset the Chiefs in Kansas City. Gruden drove around Arrowhead, and then Andy got really mad, and they came back and kicked their ass. And, then, you know, obviously the Chiefs ended up in the Super Bowl. The Raiders missed the playoffs by three games. But the Chiefs are coming. And I, I think there's a clear hierarchy in the AFC, Patriots and Chiefs. If Tennessee gets healthy, big if, and I, I saw Rap Sheet say that they expect Derrick Henry to come back, you know, if Julio's able to play and A.J. Brown, if they have those three guys, you know, with the rest of their team for the playoffs, I, they have earned the right to be in that spot, right? But if they don't have those three guys, they're just not the same team. Part of the reason they've won playoff games, remember two years ago when they beat the Patriots and Brady, and then they beat the Ravens, was, was King Henry going for like 200 yards a game. And now they add Julio, you add AJ Brown, like that's that's a real team. We know. But like I yesterday beating the Jags, or Urbans, those guys have tapped out. But if, if Tennessee gets those guys back, there's a hierarchy to me in the AFC, and it's the Patriots, the Chiefs, and I would throw Tennessee given the health. And on the flip side, the Raiders. 
And I'll give my uh, partner on my other podcast guy. I agree with him. He brought up that he thinks big picture, the Raiders need a rebrand. And right now the Raiders, like their brand, the just when you say the Raiders, it resonates with people that are 55 and older that witnessed, you know, some of the Kenny, the snake stabler, some of those Howie long teams, uh, you know, Tom Flores coaching, uh, Jim Plunkett was the quarterback. Like the, it resonates. The Raiders used to matter. One time I met, uh, when the Super Bowl came to the Bay Area, I talked to Bill Cower, and he was just saying the league's better when the Raiders are good. And that matters to people that 70s and the 80s. It's 2021. The Raiders have been basically irrelevant for 20 years, and the league's had the greatest explosion of money in the history of professional sports. I think the Raiders, if, if they can somehow get Mark Davis away, because Mark Davis is never going to change the brand, but the moment Mark Davis either you know one day passes on the team, passes away, whatever, Whoever buys the next team, my number one recommendation, as someone who's watched this team really closely uh, for a long time, complete rebrand. I, I would change the name of the team. Might even change the colors. It's just it's just time. There's a toxicity with that team. Uh, they completely, they're just going to reset for like the seventh time in a, in a decade. Uh, and I'm not, to- I'm not blaming Mark Davis. Like he didn't write those emails. He didn't drive that car with Henry Ruggs. But for whatever reason, under his watch, it's just embarrassment after embarrassment. And you saw yesterday the Chiefs took advantage of it and absolutely curb stomped them in a game that felt like everyone, on at least on my social media timelines, were watching at least till halftime when the game was over. <laughs> 35 to 3. And their interim coach, and I, I never understand when coaches do this. I get, ta- I, I'm always a big fan of taking points in certain situations. Like, I'm not anti field goal kickers, but when you are down 30, 40, 50 points, and it's clear, you know, it would take a uh, an act of God, uh, an absolute miracle for you even to come back in the game, let alone even think about winning it. When coaches kick field goals once they get into the red zone and they're down 38 to nothing, 42 to nothing, that is the most gutless move you can have as a coach because you're almost saying, like, I just want points on the board. Well, get points on the board is a big deal if it's, you know, 10 to zero, right? And you're like, I wanted to get three points right in this game. You're not in the game. The only way humanly possible for you to cut into a deficit is score touchdowns and he kicked a field goal late in that game to make it or I mean late in the first half to make it 35-3 do you think you get like extra points from your fans or your owners like well you got some points on the board nobody gives a shit uh it, it was just it was a pretty embarrassing moment honestly kicking the field goal now Raiders just paid a kicker I, I mean I I still I just <laughs> the Chiefs just what a clown show that is for the Raiders and the, the Chiefs really exposed them <laughs> Two guys that are, I would call them rocket ships for the franchise. Joe Burrow, who I watched, I, I've watched him really closely the last several weeks. And obviously, you know, since he got hurt last year, watched probably four or five of his games start to finish this year, watched his whole season at LSU. He is a spectacular player. And even if you did a redraft in that draft, for as awesome as Justin Herbert is, and I'll get into him here in a second, I still think he goes one. It's just pretty clear that Justin Herbert would have gone two to if if the football team could do that bad boy over. And listen, Chase Young before he got hurt, I think the guy's going to be a really good player. But there in no world would they take Chase Young over Justin Herbert if they knew how good Justin Herbert was going to be. But Burrow's pretty special, and I I think some of the comp the uh, comparisons because that's what you do in in draft rooms, scouts. I was not I actually wasn't that great at it. Just because I, I didn't watch NFL football growing up from like the scouting lens. I was just a fan and then worked in college football. And once I got in the NFL, everyone was able to make these comparisons. 
And all my buddies who are really good in the NFL can do it with just ease. They can just comp guys. And I've gotten a lot better at it just because I watch football from a more, you know, I, I, I just, I, I've taken several steps back and I'm able to follow the whole league and I, it's just easier to make comparisons. I just have more players that I've watched closely over the years. But Joe Burrow, I, I, I did think coming out of college, there were some fair parallels with Tony Romo, just the way they played. Well, Joe Burrow is going to be a much better player than Tony Romo. And, I, and I'm a Tony Romo fan. I always enjoyed his game. But he had some flaws. He was also an undrafted free agent. It's not like Tony Romo was a top five pick. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. He should be better than Tony Romo. Now, obviously, if you ever did a redraft, Tony Romo 10 years later would have gone in the top five of his draft. But we all viewed Joe Burrow, blue chip guy, best season in the history of LSU, one of the best seasons in the history of college football, kicked the SEC's ass. Now, benefited from being around Chase and Justin Jefferson. But he has Jamar Chase on his team now with T. Higgins, who also looks really good. Uh, I I would bet the farm on this guy. I just watching him, he just kind of has it, you know. And I know he he leads the NFL in turnovers right now, but it's hard not to watch him and go, I love watching this guy play. If I was a Bengal fan, I would be very very proud, happy, excited that I have this guy on my squad. Whether we make the playoffs or not this year, you know, he is infinitely better than Baker Mayfield immediately. Uh, the Steelers do not have a quarterback. And let's face it, like the Ravens just have a million injuries. You're just starting to see there's just a wear and tear when you are so dependent on Lamar Jackson. And it's one thing to throw the ball, which every team that has a good quarterback is dependent on that guy to throw the ball. They ask Lamar Jackson to be like their best running back and their quarterback. And eventually, you know, kind of a freak deal. I saw, I think it was Joe Banner, who was the president of the Eagles when I was there, tweeted like, this is what happens with running quarterbacks. And I tend to agree. Running quarterbacks just eventually get hit, even in a league that's gotten softer. But Lamar Jackson got injured running away like behind the line of scrimmage. He was in the pocket, going to throw the ball, and a guy broke through and he tried to run away, and the guy got him on his leg. Like I, I think it was a pretty freaky deal. Like To me, if Lamar had gotten hurt down past the line of scrimmage running because he wouldn't slide, then that would be a knock. But I don't put yesterday on, on Lamar. But I, you know, Joe Burrow, obviously Lamar has accomplished more. But to me, Joe is, is coming for the top spot in, in that division. And Lamar not being able to play, it's going to be hard to hold him off. I, Bengals can win that division. And then Herbert is in two seasons. And I I, heard, I think I heard Joey Taylor say this this morning when I was driving around, that he's the second quarter, second youngest quarterback in terms of games played to get to 60 touchdowns through two and a half seasons, a little more, I guess, because we're you know 12 games in. He has 61 touchdowns through two seasons. Obviously, he missed week one last year, uh, and he has 21 picks. So he has a 3-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and his completion percentage is 67%. Obviously, the, the throw that he made yesterday went viral against the Giants, where he rolled out, stopped, and threw like what looked to be a 70-yard absolute bomb slash dime hits the guy in stride. His physical attributes are superior to Burrow. Right, he's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger, and he has a bigger arm. He is, to me, he you could argue just of all the young guys, including Mahomes, only Josh Allen, just in terms of size, athleticism, and arm strength, just in terms of blue chip, the way you would draw it up. Now, listen, like I just said with Joe Burrow, there there's intangible stuff to quarterback. There's leadership stuff. There's understanding the defense. There's work ethic, which everything I've always heard about Herbert, he has it, but. To me, like, 
he has a long way to go to match Philip Rivers' career, but Philip Rivers can't hold a candle in terms of this guy's talent. The crazy thing about Philip Rivers, all those years with the Chargers, he didn't have a great arm. I mean, his arm was average at best. Now, he was very, very accurate. He also couldn't move. Like, he was a Manning-level poor athlete. Again, relative for NFL standards, that is not a Herbert problem. If they can do this right, the coaching staff, and Brandon Staley, they have a young coaching staff, right? They have a first-time head coach. They have an offensive coordinator, Lombardi. I think he maybe he's been an offensive coordinator in one other place. I've looked that up. But they got a chance to just build a behemoth around this guy. Um, I, 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 lo- I love watching those two guys play. If you ask me, like, who are your favorite players in the league, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to come up in that conversation very, very quickly. A couple other just quick hitters around the league. If Seattle can beat the Rams next week in Los Angeles, they would be 6-8. and eight. And Listen, I, I have... I'm as guilty as anyone of shitting on Pete Carroll, Seattle, the organization. They need to change. They need to reset. If they win that game next week, and I, I just checked their seven and a half point underdog FanDuel uh, promo code Colin. That if Seattle wins that game, they'd be six and eight. Then their next two games, Chicago and Detroit. It is not out of the realm of possibility that we look up in like, I guess, you know, 18 plus days and the Seattle Seahawks are eight and eight. And people are like, Oh my God, how is this possible? And then if you look around the playoffs, the football team and the Eagles play each other. Uh, Both teams still play Dallas again. You have the Saints, which just aren't that good. They're not going to be able to win. Like, you don't get to play the Jets every week. Panthers in shambles. Minnesota is just not a team that you can rely on. It's not the most insane thing ever that Seattle all of a sudden has a chance to make the playoffs with about two weeks remaining. Just keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. Joe Judge. I heard, I was driving around, someone say, I, I forget who, that if you combine the Jets and the Giants, the Jets and the Giants have the least wins since 2017. The The Giants are second, and the Jets have the least amount of wins. Both franchises are a complete abomination. The, the Giants got work. Now, Mike Glennon was playing. Their team's not that talented. I just saw on social media that uh, John Mara views Joe Judge like a next Belichick, like a next Bill Parcells. To me, that's pretty bold. Uh, I, I I don't quite see that one. I mean, part of what made Belichick is he was an elite scheme guy. And he, at any moment, can at least just call the defense. And there is not a play on offense, and there is not an individual position on offense that every single play call that comes in, he doesn't know every exact assignment, what that guy's supposed to do. Like, I, I don't believe Joe Judge does that. Uh, clearly. I mean, he's, Freddie Kitchens is his offensive coordinator. Give me a fucking break. And the Jets are just a complete clown show. So, I, I, you know, it sucks for the league. They're lucky football's so popular that, you know, a team like the Bengals, a team like the Chargers, you give them a sweet uh, sweet player, people care. Like, that, it doesn't work that way in the NBA. Like, no matter what happened with the Timberwolves, no one's going to care. No matter what happens with the Orlando Magic, hell, the Atlanta Hawks have sweet players. Nobody cares. Nobody watches. I mean, the Clippers are in L.A. Absolutely nobody cares. Luckily, in the NFL, people care about different markets. But ideally, you want your New York you know, fan bases to care about football. And right now, there is no reason to care about either team. And really, they're going nowhere fast. Uh, a guy that I think, like, we make fun of Joe Judge and what's going on with Urban Meyer. But Vic Fangio, say what you want about him. He's a real NFL coach. He's been coaching on Sundays for over three decades. You've never heard one thing come out of Denver like, you know, he just treats the players shitty. You know what? He just doesn't get along with his coaching staff. Why? He's a real coach. 
Now, is he the most dynamic coach of all time? Of course not. Is he going to be coaching up the quarterback? No, he's not. But look at the Broncos. They are 7-6. and six. And when you look at the AFC, the AFC is much deeper than the NFC. They have been very respectable. Their quarterback's Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like they're winning it. Well, John, they got a top 10 quarterback. No, they got a quarterback that the Carolina Panthers couldn't get rid of quick enough. And I, I think they got a chance to be 9-8. and eight. What are the Broncos going to do? Is their new general manager going to fire Fangio? You could do infinitely worse. Now, I understand wanting to have an offensive guy, but like, where are they getting a quarterback? Who are they getting a quarterback from? Stop Aaron Rodgers. Why the fuck would Aaron Rodgers go to the Denver Broncos? That doesn't make any sense. Leave the Green Bay Packers? Russell Wilson? Maybe. But if I'm John Schneider, like this isn't the NBA. Players don't get to dictate the terms. I'm just going to trade you the Denver Broncos because you want to go to the Denver Broncos? What are they giving me? I don't have a quarterback. And they're going to win enough games. Their pick's not even that good. What? No. <laughs> you know, the best thing about the NFL, different from the NBA, is that franchises can just say, no, we're not doing that. And that's very fan-friendly. You know, ultimately, like, Seattle fans don't just want to lose Russell Wilson one, but if he is adamant he's got to leave, like, I'm not just giving you away to, for nothing. Like, I picked, you know, three first-round picks that are all going to be in the 20s. Screw you. Like, we, we've paid you a premium here. So I, I think that's going to be a situation that comes up. How do they get a quarterback? Maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo type. But uh, I, I've been impressed with Vic Fangio. Lamar Jackson hurt. Turns out it's not a high ankle sprain. Uh, that's good because I, I don't know how many games they can win with Tyler Huntley. Uh, I, I think that's a very, very challenging. Now he runs around. He just throws the ball up a little bit. But there is a, uh, a dramatic drop-off between the two players, as there should be. I mean, Lamar is a former MVP, one of the best players in the league. Tyler Huntley, I think, is an undrafted free agent. Uh, Atlanta, I got to give Arthur Smith a little credit. Like, they're 6-7. and seven. I, If you would have asked me before the season, I would have given them four wins, five wins max. And, you know, they'll probably end up 7-10. and 10. Pretty respectable. You know, pretty respectable first season from him. Uh, I, I, I expected them to be really, really bad. I expected the Carolina Panthers to be better. And what we're seeing is now Matt Rule, it feels like he runs a more button-up operation, just a nicer guy. Even though I had people in college football tell me, not that he's not a good guy to like deal with as a scout, but I think he can be really hard on the people that work for him. And listen, on the Urban Meyer thing, there, there's nothing wrong with making people that work for you, coaches, you know, anyone under you, a little uncomfortable at times if you don't feel they're doing a good enough job. That's, that's, that's what happens in high-level businesses. People should feel uncomfortable. Hell, I, I feel uncomfortable every day. And it's just self-inflicted. Like, being uncomfortable is healthy in any competitive business. But when you treat people like just you're just a full-on asshole and you're not getting it done, that's why I was difficult or hard on Urban Meyer. Because he's making it difficult to, like, wrap your head around, like, Urban, what are you bringing to the table? Where I do think Matt Rule, people like him, people like being around him. But I, I don't see how they get any better anytime soon. They, they just have no quarterback. I mean, they're a franchise. The Euros point down right now. They, their owner has a lot of money, but I, I don't know what he does to change it. And then lastly, uh, Oregon, I would say, made a pretty shocking coaching hire. Dan Lanning is the defensive coordinator uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs, works under Kirby Smart. And if you remember, if you listen to the podcast I did with uh, with Jake, J-Boy, J-Boy Show, check that out if you love college football. It's fantastic. I asked him if he had to buy stock in two guys. One was Lebby, who is now the offensive coordinator from Oklahoma, who Jeff Lebby, who was Lane Kiffin's offensive coordinator, who Brett Venables just hired, and Dan Lanning, who was Kirby's defensive coordinator. Both of them were making a, over a million dollars at uh, 
you know, coaching at Georgia. I think Lanning made 1.25. That's how much is a 35-year-old defensive coordinator in the SEC 1.25? And Lebby was making like a million dollars. Both of them were, you know, calling plays. But both guys worked for, you know, Lanning works for a defensive head coach in Kirby. And obviously Lane's an offensive head coach. My, my first reaction when they hired Dan Lanning was, it's a pretty big swing. Because you guys know where I stand about regionally with college coaches. In the pros, it does not matter. If if Oregon was Seattle Seahawks and they were hiring a guy from Georgia, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, I would not care. It doesn't matter. But in college, it does. Because ultimately, you hire a guy, he has success, he leaves you for the SEC, which that would mean you're doing well. Because I was texting with a buddy in the SEC that scouts the SEC for the NFL. And I said, do you know where I would compare Oregon to? They are our LSU out West because SC is our Alabama, right? It's our, it's our really our premium brand, but Oregon's not far behind and their expectations are just like SC. You know, they're competing for playoffs every, every year, but it's not just that eight and four is unacceptable. You cannot go eight and four and keep your job. You go six and six, you might get fired. And this team, listen, they did not take the easy route. The easy route would have been hiring Chip Kelly. Because Chip Kelly, who hates recruiting, refuses to recruit. Well, Mario already did that. When Mario left, a couple days after he went to Miami, he did a radio interview with Oregon, uh, one of their local radio stations. It might even have been in Portland, which I give Mario credit. He did not have to do that. I would imagine Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, none of those guys did that. So, and listen, it's like, it's pretty low bar. Yeah, the bar's low. And Mario, I I give him some character credit points for that. And the one thing he said, he said, whoever comes in, the cupboard is stocked because they have had elite recruiting classes in a conference that doesn't have elite recruiting classes. So if you got Chip Kelly, who just led UCLA, they had the number one offense in the Pac-12, he would have won next year. I'd say there's a 50-50 chance if they would have hired Chip Kelly, they could have been in the playoffs in 2022. But it's a short-term fix. And anytime you think short-term, I would say in any business, you get yourself in trouble. When, you know, a place like Oregon, like they're thinking about the next 5, 10, 20 years. Well, this season's going to matter. It's always big picture. And I give them credit for not hiring them because it would have been the easy thing to do. But Chip doesn't like recruiting. So eventually your recruiting would have fallen off. And I think the one reason they hired this guy is because you work for Kirby Smart, you work for Nick Saban, you work at Ohio State, you work for Dabo. You are recruiting. Recruiting is a big deal. There's no, you know, I don't really like it. That's, that's, that's unacceptable. So they saw a guy they're taking a swing on to be like a McVay, to be like a Kyle Shanahan, to be that little floor. But obviously in college, the difference is you don't get one draft pick every round. You know, you get 20 to 25 scholarships and they think this guy will hold a similar bar as he's held as the team that you could argue them and Bama and Ohio State are the best recruiting schools right now in the nation. So it's very, very risky. This is a guy that's not from out here. He's coaching the Pac-12, I think, for one year at Arizona State, and he was like a quality control guy. But they're swinging for the fences, and they've done it before. But if he doesn't win, and when I say win, if he doesn't win 10 games next year, I think he'll be on the hot seat. It's going to happen that fast. There is a ton of responsibility and just pressure in this job. And it's not like that most of the jobs out here. This job gets treated like a Michigan, like Ohio State, like an LSU, like an Alabama, like a Georgia, like a Florida. Just And in fairness, this season, they should be treated like that because their team is stacked. And I also saw that the other guy he's going to hire to be his offensive coordinator is 31. Listen, I, I'm 37 years old. I am pro young guys. But it's we've talked about, like, Lincoln Riley's been a head coach now for five years. Brian Kelly's been a head coach for like 28 years. 
Like there's something to be said about experience. How Mario Cristobal now has been a coach at multiple different institutions. Nick Saban's been a coach at Michigan State, at LSU, at Miami, at Alabama. Like your first time head coaching job, just like anytime you do a job, I don't care how much responsibility is behind it, but definitely at the highest end of the totem pole, that's that's hard. There's a new pressure that you're not used to feeling, right? Mario's going to Miami. There's pressure on him to win and recruit, but he knows the pressure of sitting at the you know top of the table, having everyone look at him. Like he's used to being a head coach. This guy's used to being a number two, right? A number two at a institution and a program where the head coach is a defensive guy by nature. So even if they're allowing him to call the plays, you better believe Kirby Smart is influencing the game plan. So I I give Oregon credit for swinging for the fences. Uh, I, I don't love the regional fit, but I appreciate that it didn't go the easy route with Chip Kelly because I, I think big picture, short term it would have worked. Big picture would have been a big mistake. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bowl flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers 
in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. And uh, fire in and ask me the questions. So let's start with Weston. Longtime listener. Big Texas football fan, but I haven't seen us win a natty since I was in sixth grade. Damn, you're a young cat, bro. I was uh, I was in college. I was probably a sophomore. Jun- I was a junior. It would have been my third year at Cal Poly. I remember watching it with uh, a couple USC fans. That game was crazy, man. I lived at 306 Hathaway, drinking beers Monday night. That game was sweet. As far as we know, Mac Brown isn't a high-level coach. And we've cycled through three coaches since we've been gone with low success. What's the biggest issue facing Texas? Coaching players, as far as we know, Mac Brown, he was pretty damn good when he was with you guys. I mean, you, you guys had, he had great assistant coaches. He was recruiting at an elite level. Mac, that in his peak at Texas, the early 2000s, mid 2000s, he was good. So I, I wouldn't say that. He's been much better at anything you've had. I'd say the biggest issue you have currently is your head coach. In what world? And listen, it sounds like I'm, I have a, I don't have no issue with Sark. Like, I, I, listen, if I'd probably, I would say drink beers, but I don't even know if he's allowed to drink. But I, I'd hang out with the guy. But I just don't think he's a great head coach. I'd want him as my offensive coordinator in college, for sure. If I was Kirby Smart, I'd be all over him. Like, can you imagine if Kirby Smart had Stark? Ask Nick Saban how that went. He's a great offensive coordinator. As a head coach, I, I just don't see it. So I, I just, I, I don't think you'll be able to be good with him as your head coach. Going into the SEC? Stark going into the SEC? You have to play defense in the SEC. I, I just don't see Sark's teams playing defense. Players are not going to be your issue. Like, you you guys get players. Now, they don't develop when you're there. That's a problem. Uh, but the talent in your backyard is, you know, plentiful. And it, But it's going to be more difficult. You go into the SEC, you know, because Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Alabama comes there, LSU comes there. It's just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think your coach is just pretty average, to be honest with you. That's, I think that's your number one issue. And, like, I don't know enough. I'm sure many of you listening that, that live in Texas or follow the program more closely, I've just always heard this from the outside. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, a lot of boosters feel they're the owner of the program. A lot of people to answer to. That can be challenging. And that's why Mac was good. Mac is a natural politician. Being a politician in the NFL is irrelevant. Like, Urban is a politician, but he, but he can't. No one gives a fuck. It's like, bro, this is Sunday. You, you win or you lose. Uh, we just want you to win games. You, you don't need to go to booster club meetings. You don't need to rally the troops. Just win games. The only troops you need to rally are your team. 
the fan base, they'll follow you when you win in the pros. In college football, you got to placate to the people cutting the check. It's kind of a pain. And you got to, the parents of the kids, it's, you got to be a politician. I would be terrible at it. I, you know, if I was a coach, I would have to be in the NFL. And I, I think Sark actually has some ability to do that, but I don't think he has the ability to coach. So, yeah, that'd be my number one issue for the pod. Uh, Niners in trouble if they don't get to 10 wins, if the Eagles are Washington and Minnesota and New Orleans because head-to-head thrown out and the Niners lose tiebreakers if they all finish 9-8, and eight. especially if Seattle adds to the mix. A loss to Atlanta may actually eliminate the Niners unless they went 3-0. and oh. This assumes the Saints go 3-0, and oh, Philly or Washington go 3-1, and one, Minnesota goes 3-1. and one. Well, here's what not what is not going to happen. The football team is not going 3-1. and one. They don't have that capability with Heineke. The Eagles are probably not going to go 3-1 and one either. Minnesota potentially could. The Saints are not either. So the Niners, to me, are going to be 10-7. and seven. I think the 7 seed is 9-8. and eight. It's probably one of these teams. I, if I had to bet right now, I would probably bet on the Eagles. But if the Niners lose to Atlanta, then someone should get fired. Uh, you and Coward have really facilitated my interest in the National Football League. My question is regarding kickers. With so many one-possession games, plus games that go to overtime, I think that having a clutch kicker is very valuable. They have a direct impact on the outcome of games. If the next Vinatieri or Tucker was entering next year's NFL draft, where would you draft them? I wouldn't hesitate to take them in the first round. Obviously not if your team was a shithouse and needed a quarterback, They can literally be the difference between winning a Super Bowl or not. Here's the problem. I, I, you know, Justin Tucker was an undrafted free agent. Remember Roberto Aguayo? Most accomplished kicker in the history of college football. Jason Light, who is a legit general manager, drafted him, if I remember correctly, in the second round. In training camp, he couldn't make a kick. They didn't even get to the season. He couldn't make kicks in training camp. When I was with the Eagles, my second year, we let uh, David Akers walk. We let David Akers hit free agency. And he actually, Harbaugh signed him, and he went on to have one of the greatest years of his career. But we drafted this guy, not Derrick Henry, Alex Henry, I think his name was, this really accomplished kicker from Nebraska. And like Aguayo, I remember I'd been in the league then for over a year, so I had a good feel for like a training camp practice and what it kind of looked like. I swore to God, by the third, I mean, this was a pretty big story in Philly, he couldn't make kicks in practice. And everyone was kind of looking at each other. And kickers, it's not like a, a lineman or a slot receiver or a linebacker that like your position coaches and your coordinators can really impact. What can your special teams coach do when your kicker's missing kicks? It's like psychological warfare. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but you ha- never, ever know who is going to be an elite kicker. I think Adam Vinatieri, if I remember correctly, is a uh, undrafted free agent too. I, d- I know Tucker is. Adam Vinatieri, 48 years old from South Dakota, uh, undrafted free agent, 1996. So the two best kickers of the last two decades are undrafted free agents. No one knows these guys are going to be that good. It's not like other positions. 
because it doesn't translate. I hear what you're saying, and I would agree. If you knew Justin Tucker, like if Justin Tucker was 25 years old and the football gods came down to your draft room and they looked at you and they said, listen, you have the 28th pick. This guy is going to be Justin Tucker. Yes, you would think about drafting him in the first round. But the reality is you wouldn't have to. You could take him in like the fifth because no one would take him. Bonus question. What are your thoughts on rugby? It's the number one sport here by a mile. It's like a religion for us. All my roommates in college played rugby. A lot of respect for rugby. You got to be a tough SOB to play rugby. Takes a lot of skill. I've always said if we focused on rugby in America, we'd dominate. But our best athletes, you know, play basketball and football. Can you imagine like Ray Lewis and Odell Beckham and, you know, Kareem Hunt? Like, you know, Luke Keekley. Think about Ed Reed. Some of these guys, if they played rugby when they were like 10 years old growing up. We'd kick ass and take names. I say the same thing about soccer and soccer guys like, it's a skill. I get it. I've spent time in Spain and Italy and you walk around and kids play soccer. If we did that here, we would dominate. We dominate at everything we put our mind to. You might sound like an American elitist. I am. (laughs) You know, it's just because everything we've ever really tried to do and got together as and, you know, politically now everything's split, but sports is something we put a lot of effort into. We kick ass at every sport. We've, uh, like, think about every sport. Think about worldwide. Soccer, we never have because we don't we don't care about it enough. Golf, we have. Best player ever, Tiger Woods. Uh, tennis, we probably argue that as Djokovic, but, you know, Pete Sampras, pretty accomplished, no big deal. Uh, swimming, Michael Phelps, yeah, you know. Baseball, international sport, greatest player ever. You know, Barry Bonds, yeah, you use steroids, but you see how far his home runs went. Uh, basketball, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. We just kick ass and take names. I'm, I'm kidding, but not really. Uh, last year, it was painfully obvious that two teams needed a quality running back. The Steelers used their first round pick to solve their problem, but the Bills seem to have ignored their running back is by far, or have ignored that position, and their quarterback is by far their best running option. How many of the issues we see with them would be solved with a number one running back? And how different would they look? Yeah, if I gave them Najee Harris, they would be a lot better. But I think sometimes, here's the problem with running back being devalued. You feel you can piece, you know, kind of work it together. You can kind of patch two or three guys. And sometimes that works, right? I've seen Shanahan's done it for years. But sometimes you just need a couple dudes. Like I give the Packers a lot of credit. They signed Aaron Jones and they drafted Dylan High. And those two guys kick ass every single week. Right? Look at the the Rams lost a guy and they have no run game. Right? Seattle's missed on some picks and their run game sucks. Now, sometimes you can just hit on a guy and he's sweet right away, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. And if you go all in on one guy and that guy gets hurt, Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, you're kind of screwed. So I kind of like having a group or having a top guy, but then also I give the Vikings credit. They cook a second rounder, pay him. But then they also, I think, use a third, might have been a fourth, but I think it was a third on Madison. So, like, they have multiple running backs. You have to have multiple guys. It's such a violent position. It's such a physical position. And, like, to me, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I feel like I can scout a running back pretty easily. If you can't find running backs on your roster, your scouting team is not doing a good job. Now, obviously, the most important positions are quarterback, tackle, pass rusher. But like running backs, like you should be able to find those guys. That's it. your scouting salt, your scouting staff, 
like I'd argue is you got a hole in it if you can't find some running backs. Now, I like Zach Moss, but I I wouldn't build my offense around the guy. So I, I put that less on the coaching staff with the Bills and on the front office. Like that's, they've dropped the ball there a little bit. And it might be, I'd be lying if I've said I've studied their offensive line. I know their left tackle's good, but their guard and center, is that strong? Is their offensive line that good? Feels like it's not, really. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm not like a diehard Bills follower here. But they, they, they just feel a little off. The whole thing just feels a little off. I was watching some of that game earlier today on the iPad. Brady made a throw to Mike Evans, I think, to make it 21-3. It was just a remarkable play. I mean, you just talk about, like, that's why the guy's the GOAT. That's why Mike Evans, one of the best players in the league. It was just, like, it was just, that that play, watch the touchdown corner of the end zone. I think Poyer's covering him. It's just, that play screams all pro. Elite Pro Bowl. That's a $50 million play. A $25 million quarterback that should be making 40 and a $20 million wide receiver. That's a $60 million play based on real value, but Brady keeps taking... Uh, discounts. So <laughs> his value, he, he makes Jimmy G money, uh, not, not Josh Allen money because he wants to load his team. He's no dummy because guess what? You can make a lot of money when you win. You're very, very marketable when you win. You, you really are. No one's a better example of that than Tom. Tom Brady is going to be printing cash till the day he dies because everyone views him as the ultimate winner. And he took some pay cuts along the way and it was all worth it. Because you get paid on the back end when you're a winner. When you're a loser, all you make is when you play. No one gives a shit about you after. So winning's the only thing that should matter. Everything else follows. When you win, everything follows. Including the cash. In bundles. Ask Peyton Manning. He's been printing it for 25 years. Because he won. You know, we don't talk about losers. It's not the business we're in. Don't have time. Don't have the energy. Unless we talk about loser coaches when they get fired. And then we make fun of them. Unless I'm friends with them, and then I just avoid talking about them. I see you, Bears. Have a good week. Talk to you guys later. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Send it to your friends. And uh, and yeah, enjoy Christmas right around the corner. Get in the spirit. Get yourself some presents to give out. I need to get some presents to give to my family and friends. I haven't ordered any. Uh, I think about sending out a group text, actually. Like, don't eat. Let's go no presents this year. Just do hugs and cocktails and food. Can we just do that? Like, especially if you get into a family. I understand if you got little kids. But if, if everyone's, you know, over 30 years old and your parents are 60s and their 70s, like, what are we doing? Can we just give our love? Can we just spend some time? Do we really have to uh, get presents that most of us don't even want to each other? Unless you have a sweet present, then you can always give that. I will never, uh, I'll never talk shit about a sweet, you know, a sweet present. And obviously the kids. You got you to gotta take care of the kids. It's Christmas is for the kids. Adios. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. 
So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.